Welcome back to Deeper Than Most. I'm your host, Sam. And I'm your host, DJ. And today we are on episode 81, talking about the tale of the Midnight Rider. And not only that, we are on the 34th installment of our FNZ series, which means we are really flying through these states. And this time we're in North Dakota. Hell yeah. And yeah, we've only like rode through North Dakota, but we've never really enjoyed North Dakota for what it is, I guess you could say. I don't know what there is to enjoy out there, but if there is something, I've personally never really like just been to North Dakota. Yeah, now the only thing I know about the Dakotas in general is like Mount Rushmore. And even then people oh. say it's not even not even all that. So Tell me why I forgot that Mount Rushmore was out there. I thought that was in DC or something. Oof. Anyways, um, let's get into this. So, before we get into the DOMs for today, we just want to let you know how you can support Deeper Than Most very quickly. Um, because you know we always get into it in the end. But while you're here, go ahead and give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. If you're tuned in and watching this on YouTube, while you're here, go ahead and subscribe, like this episode, and comment on any of our episodes. You will get a reply. Um, and just share it with your friends and family and anybody that you know. So, yeah, let's get into this. So, you know, before we get into any of our situations, we have to talk about our dose of the most. And this time around, we have two. The first one is NY, trying to try. New York City's latest plan to keep mentally ill people from languishing in public is billed as a common sense strategy to get them help. By encouraging police officers and city medics to take more psychologically disturbed people to hospitals, even if they refuse care. Mayor Eric Adams says he humanely he is humanely tackling a problem instead of looking away. That's good. It's one city trying to, you know, help their crisis right. that they have in their community. Exactly. Um, as opposed to just talking about it. I feel like a lot of political parties talk about things they want to change, talk about things they want to do and that they want to see, but they're not really throwing the actions in behind it to back it up. Um, it's one thing to like say, oh, I want change. Oh, we need to house the homeless. Oh, we need to fund these schools. But it's cool to say that, but you're not backing it with any action. So it's cool to see that, you know, they're actually taking that extra step. Especially especially with an office like a mayor or a governor mm -hmm. these or a senate even like. These are offices that can actually do things. Right. And, you know, I mean, I understand like the president and like, you know, shit like that. They... Powers are different, but when it comes to the Senate and the mayors and the smaller little bodies, they can do it. Yeah, I agree. That's a good one. I hope that it all, like, works out. Yeah. And I like the fact that they highlight, you know, helping people with mental disabilities um, seek hospitable help, even if they refuse care. Like, medical help is needed, even if you don't feel that it is sometimes. Um, and with mental, mentally ill people, sometimes that is the case where they don't realize that they're mentally ill or, you know, they don't come to terms with the fact that they're mentally struggling. And so they refuse help because of that. Cause nobody wants to be called, you know, quote unquote crazy or 
disturbed or, you know, sick or anything like that. Um, so I could see the drawback there, but yeah, it's a really good one. Thank you. And our next one is A Pioneer Passes. Dorothy Pittman Hughes, a pioneering black feminist, child welfare advocate, and lifelong community activist who toured the country speaking with Gloria Steinem in the 1970s and appears with her in one of the most iconic photos of the second wave feminist movement, has recently passed away, and she was at the age of 84. And for you, for those of you who don't know who Gloria Steinem is, she's like a reporter from the 1970s. Okay. You know, I've never heard of Dorothy Hughes either. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't heard of her either before seeing this. Like the headline for yeah. it? And I thought it was interesting because we've been talking about women in power, but we never get into the feminist movement. That is true. That is true. Hughes passed away on December 1st in Tampa, Florida at the home of her daughter and son-in-law, said Maurice Sconiers of the Sconiers Funeral Home in Columbus, Georgia. Her daughter, Delethia Ridley Malmston, said the cause was old age. Though they came to their feminist activism from different vantage points, Hughes from her community-based work and Steinem from journalism, the two forged a powerful speaking partnership in the early 70s touring the country at a time when feminism was seen as predominantly white and middle class, a divide dating back to the origins of the American women's movement. Steinem credited Hughes with helping her become more comfortable with speaking in public. So they were kind of just like helping each other out and fighting for the same cause. Um, was Gloria a black woman as well? She was white. Oh, oh wow. So that kind of makes it even more interesting, actually. It's interesting though, Columbus, Georgia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's weird hearing like about places that I be knowing about. Yeah, I don't think I've been to Columbus, but yeah. Yeah, it is weird when you know you've been like near familiar places, with the area. Familiar with that area, yeah. Yeah, but that's interesting, and it's really unfortunate that she passed away. But I'm just glad that it was from natural causes as opposed to a violent or accidental. You know, just. Just not a, a fun um, death, I guess you could say. Death is never fun, but I would definitely rather pass of old age or in my sleep than any other way. Right, right. So, yeah, those were our DOMs for this week, you guys. A little bit of history and futurism in there, in a sense. The future of a community and the history of a nation. <laughs> <laughs> But with that being said, we are going to get into this very interesting, very strange case. So, what's that strange sound? And this is the beginning of a strange story. In the early 1900s, residents near the tiny town of Niagara in the new state of North Dakota began to hear strange noises in the night. The sound of galloping hooves punctuated the quiet countryside. It was farmer Eugene Butler, again, who had recently started riding his horses late at night yelling at the top of his lungs. He was known to be a wealthy and successful farmer, but he was a recluse, according to the town's residents. I hate how media and just, like, people in general try to, like, just dog people that keep to themselves. Like, it's okay if he didn't bother anybody or talk to anybody in the town. It's fine. Like, I mean, I'm that type of person. Like, I'm not just out here 
chatting it up with neighbors and like, no, I'd be staring at clear folks. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess I come from like that point of view of like just wanting to keep to yourself and and he was successful and had money. He was just minding his business. Basically. And why were people annoyed by that? And I would assume if he was a farmer and had money, he had a lot of land, so his neighbors weren't close. So how could they really hear him? We'll get into it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we're talking about a serial killer, a supposed alleged serial killer in this episode. This isn't necessarily a victim oriented and a victim driven case. So thought I'd throw that in there. So now we jump into early life and early signs of insanity. Butler was born in 1849, one of three sons born to Ephraim and Rebecca Butler. He was of English descent with his family having roots in Braintree, Essex, England. His family was known to be very prosperous around 1882, and he made his move to Niagara, North Dakota around that time. Butler bought a 480-acre farm where he lived as a recluse. He just kept to himself. He didn't talk to the townsfolk often. In fact, he would only talk to the six farmhands that he had hired on his specific farm. He was only known to leave town for business purposes. So really, I'm just getting like Count Olaf vibes, but in the country. Not Count Olaf. Like maybe he's a little weird, a little eccentric. Yeah, you know, a little dark yeah. and morbid, but you know, he's not truly bothering anybody yet. Mm-hmm. He gets a little stranger, and now this part is going to talk about his trip to the insane asylum. Now, my viewpoint on that is if you somehow find yourself in an insane asylum, which I don't really think they're really around these days, but they used to be. And they used to be a scary place to be. But if you were to find yourself just one day in an insane asylum and you're not actually insane, do you think that being in that type of environment for however long would drive you insane eventually? I mean, possibly. Also, they do still exist. They just call them, like, therapy homes. or like, it's like therapy mm. homes, I know. But... I'm sure they don't be doing the crazy shit that they used to. Oh. When I think asylum, I think American Horror Story. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure they still do. I'm oh. sure they do. Actually, probably even worse. Mm-mm-mm. But yeah, um, I I honestly think yeah, if you're in a place like that, because mind you, um, he's out here on his own, on his on his own little land, you know, doing his thing. So mm-hmm. of course, maybe that time alone could cause some issues but also if you if you go into an insane asylum afterwards yes i feel like it could further your issues you know what that makes me think of Paperboy. what you mean when he was on that farm he got everything he wanted oh, he yeah. wanted to go on his farm and you could tell like him living there for an extended period of time he was gonna go crazy especially all the shit that he endured like being alone on the farm almost dying multiple yeah. times from just like mundane regular interactions like farm interactions um so yeah i could see how even that in itself like living just secluded and alone on a farm in the middle of nowhere you know could get a little i don't know you just got to get creative yeah the human mind is a very interesting thing when it's left alone mm-hmm. you know but um, ever since moving to the state, Butler's 
began showing signs of a mental illness. He would suffer from hallucinations and thinking that invisible people were chasing him. Makes me think schizophrenia. His paranoia led him to believe things like all the widows and the old maids wanted to marry him, along with men coming to his home during the night, forcing him to get dressed and go for long walks. What the fuck? That's weird, though, because, like, when I think farm, I think houses every, like, five minutes down the road. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, like, these people are not close, right. so it's not like he even sees people every day. And if he did, like, these people are not about to come all the way to your farm to bother you. Exactly. Reminds me of that one movie we watched. What was it, 1922 or something? Mm-hmm. In 1906, he began riding his horse at breakneck speeds and yelling at the top of his lungs. Hmm. This behavior irritated the town so much that he was admitted into the North Dakota State Hospital under the supervision of Dr. W.M. Hotchkiss. It's interesting that just riding your horse, minding your business, and I guess, you know, screaming. Sure, you're being a disturbance, but it's just crazy how something of that small of a magnitude gets you put into the mental facility, <laughs> like, at that time. I mean... That's crazy. I mean, it may seem small, like, looking at it from our perspective, but to them, it's like, nigga, why are you out yeah, there weird, late at night yelling? Yeah. So, he must have been, like, riding his horses, like, through town or, yeah. like, just past people's houses? Yeah, no. Okay, so he wasn't on his property. No, no, no. So, he... So where his shit was, like, I mean, he still was able to get to town fairly quickly. Oh, okay. So it probably wasn't as spread out right. as, like, I'm thinking, you know, the right. countryside is these days. Right. Interesting. Hmm. Wow. I don't know. He seems like a weird guy so far. He does seem pretty odd. But not, like, alarmingly weird, you know? Right. Just a weird guy. He's, He's a loner. Like. <laughs> right. But let's get into this sponsor, and then we'll be right back. Have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free and easy to use. It has creation tools that allow for recording and editing straight from your phone or computer. This means you can view your listener count, upload vidcasts, and personalize your show, making it the best user experience around. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more, making it so you don't have to do it individually. You can even monetize the podcast without minimum listenership. Anchor has all the tools to make a podcast in one place, like adding files, sound effects, and audience messages. So download Anchor today at anchor.fm, and that's anchor.fm, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. So what are you doing? Start your own podcast now. And we're back. Liking it. Nah, never mind. (laughs) Like a horse riding butt crack? No. Paul Revere, the British are coming. <laughs> the red coats are coming. Now we roll into death and discovery of some murder. Eugene Butler was known to give trouble to the staff at the mental facility during isolated periods. Most of the time, he expressed his fears of figures chasing him and having his picture taken because he believed the camera would suck out his soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Wait, what? what? 
And around this time, like, I'm sure cameras were new, too. Yeah, they were brand new at this time, actually. Eef. Not figures chasing him. Not even, like, people. That nigga said figures. Right. Must be Stan Romanat. Gotta be the men in black. Right? According to Dr. A.W. Guest, a doctor at the asylum, Butler did not display homicidal tendencies. He was small but brave, and he even fell in love with one of the female physicians. Ooh. It's a little questionable. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, how did that happen? Right. You start obsessing. <laughs> You're the it. patient. Like, that ain't that a breach of something? Like, yes. Okay, so yeah, you can't be doing it. And the doctor's just cool with it. He's like, he even fell in love. Right. <laughs> like, okay. In 1915, workmen were sent to excavate Eugene's property with the purpose of renovating it. One of these workmen, named Leo Verbalin, was digging a cellar under the house when he discovered skeletons. Damn. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine going to do your job, and that's what you find. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, his house was probably the first house to be built in that location, so... Yeah. Like, it's not like, you know, the bodies were there before he got there. Right. I mean, maybe they were, but I doubt it. I highly doubt it. No, I, they weren't because this was like new land. Like, he had found it, picked it out, and like built his house on it. I know, but I'm talking about like, you know, back when the pilgrims were around, like, they could have been burying bodies all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> or slavery. It was right before this. Yeah. You know? Burial grounds, Native Americans, like all types of shit. There could be bodies anywhere. I mean, we just found that school of children in what, Canada or something? Mm -hmm. Those Native American kids, yeah. It's not too far-fetched, but... All of them had their skulls crushed, and this was most likely due to a sharp instrument. And at least two had their legs broken. Damn. Yeah, so I don't know what happened, but either way. Damn, that's crazy. That's weird, too. Mm, so, was it under his house then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how is he digging holes under his house though? It'd be different if it were on the property, just on his land. But it doesn't seem feasible or plausible for him to be digging literally underneath the foundation of his house. I mean, I don't know how houses were built back then. It might have been just some wood and there was space between the ground and the house. I don't know. But that seems difficult. <laughs> There's a theory that five of the remains belong to a family consisting of two women, probably housekeepers, and their children. However, none of the residents recall a family going missing in the county at that time. So you think he was just snatching bodies from, like, other places? Like, luring people to his farm or something? I mean, it could have been his farm hands. True. That's true. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, like... It just seems like a lot of work (laughs) to lure people there, you know, like figure out how you're going to do this. Then you you do kill them. Then you like bury them under your house. Like it just seems like a lot. But it does make more sense to cut out luring them to the property if they're already there. Right. Good thinking. Later police revealed that all the skeletons belonged to young men, one of them being a boy aged between 15 and 18 and another who had a crooked nose. Yeah, that makes even more sense of yeah. them being farmhands. 
Because typically it was boys right. or men. Right. Wow. Damn. So the, these were like kids, teenagers. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing about people going missing or anything? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But actually there's an, inter- there's an interesting theory that comes up later, but we'll get there. Authorities could not identify the individuals and suggested that they were vagrants employed as farmhands by Butler, which would explain why nobody had noted their disappearances. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you don't know what vagrant means, it means just someone who is houseless or homeless. Um, A transient is also another word to describe that. It's suspected that he probably murdered the men because he thought they were going to steal money from his house, a lot of which he had just laying around. That's his fault, man. Why the fuck? You you don't just take somebody's life. Like, just put your money up. Right. You have land. You're a farmer. Bury that shit. Because who's really going to be digging around your land? And, like, nobody's going to know the specific spot that you put it in. And if that were the case, nine times out of ten, you'd probably see somebody digging your shit up. And then that would probably give you reason to like hurt them, but not still not kill them. Right. Don't don't kill people, guys. Please. Yeah, don't do that. It was also noted that there were no traces of clothes of any kind, suggesting that the bodies had been buried nude and that Butler had burned the clothes. He was smart for the time being. Like evidence like that with DNA and shit probably wasn't even really a thought at that time. Right, yeah. No, and for him to be burning evidence, yeah, no, like, that's ahead of his time. <laughs> way, way ahead of his time. Because what would they have done with it? Because DNA didn't even come out. Like, actual DNA, like, evidence that they could actually do stuff mm-hmm. with, and those type of technologies didn't come out until, like, later in the century. Exactly. So, like, why was he burning the clothes? Because what evidence could they have gotten from the clothes, like the police? Right. Uh, well, I mean, unless they were, like, dusting for fingerprints back then which they did do that there's that true yeah and i guess you know people would recognize like you know their family members clothing item or something or if it's something of importance or passed down so yeah i guess that makes sense but still he was thinking if he did this he was thinking Mm -hmm. about how to cover his tracks exactly and in a sense he kind of did if you know, this didn't come about until he passed away. Like, right. he basically got away with it if he did this. Right. So now we have a possible lead, John Urbanski inquiry. A possible lead to the identification of at least one of the victims was the inquiry of Leo Urbanski, a wealthy farmer residing in Long Prairie, Minnesota. Damn, out of state? Right. It's crazy. At his request, Leo had an attorney named C.B. Dularier write to the state attorney claiming that one of the victims might be his brother, John Urbanski. John, who also went by the name John Miller, was a young man who disappeared near Niagara in 1902. Ooh, that, that, that adds up. Mm-hmm. Before his sudden vanishing, he had written a letter to his brother stating that he was working for a bachelor in the city. The letter's postmark indicated it had been mailed from Laramore, the town where Butler conducted business, which would mean that Eugene Butler was in that area and that they could have possibly crossed paths. And likely did, because I'm sure there wasn't a lot of people 
around to cross paths with, you know? Even if it was the city. Like, back then, they're just... Areas weren't as dense as they are now of people, even if it was a big city. Right. But this shit tracks. Like, this makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But not him calling himself a bachelor and telling folks, yeah, I'm or, a bachelor in the city. Or maybe, or that's just what they were maybe he didn't. Maybe, you know, that's just the term people use whenever they see, you know. Just a single man, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But now we can get into what the present day holds. To this day, Butler's victims still remain unidentified. According to forensic anthropologist Phoebe Stubblefield, modern DNA technologies could be used to identify the victims, but the only problem is the remains were stolen from the excavation site. But, like, it couldn't have been him. He was dead. Oh, no, no, no. So, while, so, interesting fact is, so he died in 1913. Two years later, they went to excavate his house. Not only were the excavators and the police and everybody there, but townspeople were there also. So it's believed that townspeople stole the remains. Well, then that makes me believe that a specific townsperson, not being Eugene Butler, could have possibly been the one committing these murders and just been hiding them on his property because he's an easy target. He's a man that was seen to already have mental disabilities. He was alone. He was weird. Everybody complained about him. He passed away. And because he was um, alleged to have, you know, mental illness problems, he was away from his home for extended periods of time because he was in an asylum. So that's ample opportunity for somebody to go onto his property and place bodies under his property. And of course, do it under the property as opposed to just on the farmland because he knows, or they, the person would know that Eugene uses his farmland. Exactly. Also, think about the long walks, the horseback riding. There's so much time in between all of that where somebody could go. And yeah, that too. Especially if he was doing it like clockwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. This could be like somebody else and they were planting it on him. And then, you know, he passed away. So, it was kind of even a better opportunity. But then when they found out that somebody was like about to clear the site, they were like, shit. Like, I got to go clean this shit up. Because then they really might figure out that it wasn't him that did this. (laughs) You know? Because why else would somebody just be stealing these bodies? Right, that's my thing. Why? Why? Like, it's not even the same thing as grave snatching because, or body snatching, like from graves, because they weren't in graves. This, yeah. this was like a specific thing. Like, you had to have known. I'm sure. I don't think they just put this in the newspaper, or did they? They probably did, knowing these motherfuckers back then. Yeah, that's true. Well, still, that's some juicy news. Imagine that. Imagine going to your your local paperboy getting giving you the paper, and that's what you see. Wow, so that's interesting. Um, So that was the case of Eugene Butler, serial killer or not. Also known as the Midnight Rider. But with all that being said, now we can get into our wind down. This time around, we have three. And the first one reads, why do you think someone would steal the remains? Hmm, well, I think we kind of just broke it down as to why somebody would steal these remains um because they did it they were the actual serial killer and just tried to frame somebody else for it and to think about it like even further with them like 
planting the bodies on his property if somebody else did this. Even if he didn't die and, like, he was still alive, he likely would have been, you know, seen as the suspect in this case. Like, it wouldn't have been hard to just, like, plant this on him and be like, yeah, he did it. Especially when everybody in the town felt a certain way about him already to testify against him. Right. So, it kind of built this whole case on him unknowingly, really. Yes, exactly. So, for me, in my personal opinion, yeah, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Like, there's no other reason to take the remains unless you're hiding something or cleaning something up, you know? I agree. But our second wind down reads, do you believe Butler's recluse nature led to his insanity? We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier as well. I would say it could have, but I don't think it's enough. And I think him probably going to a mental health facility and the way just knowing how they were back then, we should do an episode on just asylums and, you know, things that they would do to their patients Man. back in the day. An episode on eugenics or even yeah. we can talk about crib camp if you want. Yeah. Oh, stop it. Stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, y'all. But, um, yeah, I don't think that being a recluse is enough because, I mean, there's loners walking around all day, every day in today's day and age. And we're not murderers and serial killers. Not all of us. Yeah, and oftentimes, murderers and serial killers are very well-known, very popular, very, you know, quote-unquote normal-looking and seeming. So, you know, I don't know. There's just, like we've said before, there, you know, anybody can be a murderer or a serial killer. Like, there is no fit profile. There's no certain look. There's no certain vibe about a person or personality trait. Like, anybody can kill somebody. All right. And... I feel like the only reason we have these certain profiles and these certain, like, go-to looks for serial killers or, or you know, what have you is because of the media. Like, the media puts these certain things um, out there for, and people just run, run away with it. So then you build a profile. Now it's a stereotypical thing. But once it's, once something happens that's not stereotypical, you're like, oh, wow, it's not this. It's actually anyone. Our last wind down is, is this your first time hearing about a serial killer from this time period? If so, what are your thoughts? Um, honestly, in this capacity, yes. I think the only other serial killer that I've heard probably from this time period is like Jack the Ripper. But I was going to say the same thing. I've heard of Jack the Ripper, but I think that was even before this. Yeah. So, of that time period, like... Early 1900s, ending of the 18th. See, it's crazy because the 1800s was just full of slavery. So everybody was a murderer, pretty much, right. you know, if you weren't black. But then again, you know, some black folks were getting theirs and they were killing folks too. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't think I've really heard of like a prolific serial killer around that time. Maybe Albert Boone, was he around there during that time? Uh, Fish. Or, yeah, Albert Fish. I think so. I think it was, maybe. I don't remember. I'd have to look again, but yeah, possibly. And he's a confirmed serial killer yeah. and cannibal. But, yeah. and if you haven't heard about him, check out our cannibal episode, all about cannibalism. I think it was a long time ago, y'all. It was like episode five or seven or something. There's a whole cookbook. Definitely is. <laughs> 
But yeah, that was our wiggity wiggity wind down. One more time, how you can support our show. You can support the show by following us on Instagram at DTM. I mean, oops. Follow us on Instagram at Deeper Than Most PC. Check us out on the Clock app. That's TikTok at DTM Pod. <laughs> you can email us at Deeper Than Most PC at gmail.com. Also, join our Facebook group, the official Deeper Than Most podcast Facebook group. I believe that's the name. <laughs> um, and once again, go ahead and give us a rating and a review on your favorite listening platform. And give us a like comment and go ahead and subscribe to us on youtube we really love and appreciate your guys' support we're almost 200 subscribers you guys i think we're at like 89 mm-hmm. um so hopefully we can get to 100 by new year's we'll see um but yeah anything i left out you know this lovely segment that we enjoy having on the show our kind words what are yours for this week My kind words are, don't be quick to judge, okay? Eugene Butler may have been a weird man, and, you know, he may have been a loner. He may have kept to to himself, but that doesn't, like, make him a serial killer. That doesn't automatically make him a murderer. Um, I feel like we're very quick to judge sometimes, and a lot of the times, you know, we only see people at face value. We only see them for what they show us and we don't bother to dig deeper or look further. So try not to judge so much. And if you do decide to judge, make sure you're judging yourself 10 times harder. And to like piggyback off that, if you're going to judge someone, make sure that it's backed up with like factual evidence. If you're going to be judgmental, judgment is yes. shouldn't be opinionated. It should be factual. That is true, yes. But my kind words for this week are, honestly, happy holidays. Um, Christmas is coming up. I know people. there are people that don't celebrate Christmas. There are plenty of other holidays that could be celebrated around this time of year. So whatever you celebrate, happy holidays. And with all of that being said, this has been episode 81, which means you have 80 other lit-ass episodes to check out from your hostess and your host. Um, and that doesn't even include our short stuff bonus episodes. We got hella short stuff bonus episodes, you guys. Check them out. They've been racking up and they're going to keep racking up because we like doing little audio exclusives. But enough said. I have been your host, Sav. And I've been your host, DJ. <laughs> stay light, stay bright, stay positive. This has been another great episode of Deeper, Deeper Than, Than Most. Most. Oh, 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 oh,